What is up, everybody, and welcome back. We, uh, we're just going to keep these special guest episodes rolling in for you guys because you seem to really like them, but welcome back to another special guest edition of Ask PJ Braun here at the Braun Pool Home, and we have none other than the boys from Generation Iron with us today. We are honored to have them here. They were uh, here to talk to PJ about a couple things and uh, get a little bit of footage, and so we figured we might as well get a little bit of footage with them. So we're here to uh, just do a little bit of banter and probably do some of our own Q&A. Yeah, we're turning the tables on them because they do the interviews. <laughs> Are we allowed to talk about why um, you guys are here? Of course. Talk about anything. Uh, all right. Well, I just did an interview uh, with Generation Iron, and um, we're allowed to say the, the name. Yeah, so the, the documentary is going to be called uh, Bigger Exia. And um, you guys can say, like, what made you guys want to, you know, do this, the idea behind it. And First of all, i got to say on a record, man, you, you give one of the best interviews. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, I'm not just saying it because we're here, man, but yo, shout out to you, man. Well, the check is in the mail, so I appreciate it. <laughs> that's, that's me joking to all the haters, by the way. Uh, we're really happy to be here. Uh, PJ, you know, most, mostly because, obviously, you know, we, we appreciate the time that you give us at Generation Iron. Um, and we're very excited about Big Orexia. I think this is a project that the whole is going to open up the world to really muscle dysmorphia on a bigger level. And uh, I think this is a, the right time now to tackle this perfect interview with you. And people are going to be really excited to hear you. Thank you. Um, we do a lot of films that basically they, that are for catered for you know the fitness industry, the bodybuilding industry specifically. You know, um, but this one, you know, we feel like it's going to cross over in a major way, um, and it's going to it's going to incorporate bodybuilders, different other athletes, and of course, scientists, doctors, and patients. You know, that deal with bigorexia issues. So it's going to be a cool one. And maybe it'll help athletes that are going through a lot to really understand you know what they can fix or what they can because you guys have doctors in this one that are going to speak professionally on the, the condition. It's not just a make-believe thing. And case study, you know what I mean? The case study of patients that are going through bigorexia and seeking treatment, you know what I'm saying? It's crazy, obviously. You, you said some crazy stuff in your interview that, that you're dealing with it personally, right? But like, you, don't, you don't seek treatment necessarily because you, you feel content. Well, I'll see what, it, what people think when it comes out of, of how they feel about what I said and, and my position in it. I'm sure that the stuff that I was talking about is probably going to be far different than, than many of the stuff that you see in the case studies. But, um, you know, I, I am obviously honored that you guys chose me. We've wound up becoming, you know, good friends through all this. And so because of that, I wanted to get you guys on here because I think there's a lot of cool stuff about Generation Iron that a lot of people won't know. Exactly. And I, from talking with you guys a lot, I am, I am just in love with how... It all started. So if you guys don't mind telling everybody, I always say it started with big pun and people think I'm kidding and they don't know big what I'm pun. talking about. So maybe you guys could tell the story. Are you a fan of big pun, PJ? I am. So I'm, I'm from Connecticut and I dated a girl from the Bronx. So I was in New York a lot. Oh, and so that was a huge part of my growing up. So like Hot 97 as a kid, you know, I was what everybody oh, listened to, you know, so that was, that was our time. So, you know, big pun was very, very, very popular. And uh, so you guys actually did a documentary on Big Pun. That was that was actually our first, one of our fir very first films. And how how old were you? How'd that happen? Oh man, oh man, how old were we? That we were was, probably uh, like twenty two years old. Probably? Yeah, we were yeah. basically so we started that project right out of college. Yeah, I think it was literally right around the time before we graduated. Uh, so Vlad and I went to school together. What school did you guys go to? We went to Pace University. My then, sister went to Pace Law. Yes, yeah. and then Vlad, Vlad went on to do some NYU film school. I went on to work on Wall Street, 
did financing. Mm, how about that? Commercial real estate financing. Did that for another four years. Worked in Wall Street for about six years. Then in 2008, you know, we were finally getting ready to release Big Pun. Sony came to us. They said, you know, we should put together a really big premiere. We had Big Pun's family, his estate, all these huge music artists from Method Man, I mean, to Exhibit, to, you know, to Snoop Dogg. That's awesome. And this big premiere happened on 57th Street at the DGA Theater in Manhattan. And it ended up being sold out. We had all this media coverage for it. And we realized this was a huge opportunity that we really enjoyed as well. And 2008, you know, we left what we were doing and we partnered up together. I left finance. Uh, I ne- didn't want to work in the finance industry anymore, even though it was very comfortable. Um, and Vlad and I formed a partnership together. And we've been producing ever since. But, but the crazy thing about Big Pun is like, you know, uh, obviously, you know, famous rapper. And unfortunately today, a lot of people don't remember him. You know, so it's cool that you actually brought it up right now. I think our yeah. age group, for sure. Yeah, for sure. We yeah. all know Big Pun, but yeah. did you guys love Big Pun or did oh, you just yeah. love rap? Like, what was it? No, Big Pun was that story, you know what I mean? Because <laughs> at that's, you remember, this before Eminem. Yeah. Big Pun was the outsider, you know what I mean? He, he wasn't getting respect, you know, he was Puerto Rican and he wasn't getting a lot of respect in rap. So he had to prove like 10 times harder that he was the hardest MC out there, you know what I mean? So Big Pun really proved and... He became popular when he was like 25, I think, or 26, and he died when he was 28 of a heart attack. He was way over. By the way, and that, that's actually kind of ties into the fitness industry, right? Because Big Pun was overweight and he was struggling with weight issues, and he died from that. He went to Fat Farm. He was trying to like lose the weight. It just wasn't happening. And he died from a heart attack. So it's a very tragic story at the same time. Yeah. Uh, and that kind of like ironically led us into the, you know, eventually led us into Generation Nine and the fitness industry. You know. Now, when you did the big pun documentary did you feel like you loved the big pun you loved the story and you just wanted to make a documentary or did you think you were going to do stuff with music specifically well that led to us doing uh we partnered up with emi emi music and sony we did a, a, a other documentaries and music and a lot of work behind the scenes for the for the music industry but when we did a big pun film it was more just the story of big pun we weren't going to make music after that it was just really telling a story of big pun and kind of like reminding people you know who he was and really uncovering the story you know what i'm saying you were just that's really like, into him and it just so happened to be that he yeah. was in music and exactly that's yeah, how I mean, that rolled the guy had a tremendous vocabulary i mean yeah. if you listen to his music you'd know that this guy had i mean incredible smart he's really intelligent um incredible charisma as well just a lot he had a lot to to, to, to say and, and tell the world and i encourage people to go right now on youtube or wherever itunes and just listen to his first album and the second album just just hear it, you know. The I mean? first album was big deal, man. Capital Maybe we can put a, a link in the the description yeah, to the uh, yeah, Big yeah. Pun interview. Do you think that a lot of the young guys will know about Big Pun? I mean, I I know about him. I can't say I know like songs off the top of my head. Mm. I'm sure if I heard a song, I, I would recognize the beat or the lyrics, but I wouldn't necessarily know it was him. But because I, I think he was just right before my time. Like I just turned 27 this year, so I I don't know if like any of the dudes sure. in the call center would really get it. Well, I think that. If you're like 35 to 45, the, the discussion is always on like Biggie and Tupac. Right. Who is your, yeah, you're yeah. about 10 years younger than me. Who, who is the discussions of the best on? Yeah, what is the discussion right now? It's a good question. Right now, I'm, I'm not like really sure, but I think for sure, like when I was in high school, it was whoever was hot at the time and Lil Wayne. Uh, and like, Lil Wayne. And Lil Wayne. It was always Lil Wayne or whoever. Lil what do you guys think whoever. of Lil, Lil Wayne? It's cool. Man. I think Kendrick Lamar right now is considered Kendrick Lamar is. Kendrick is, is hot. Is, you know I mean? Um. Travis Scott is hot right now. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, uh, but lyri- lyrically, like, who's you know what I mean? Really delivering the lyrics, probably Kendrick Lamar. What about Kendrick what is, about Eminem oh. through over the years? 
Yeah, no, 100% Eminem. I think he spoke to a lot of youth, you know, out there that, you know, that were going through things. And I think he's, he's a tremendous vocabulary as well. Unbelievable yeah. dictionary. So it, when you guys, it's hard to pick just one. So do you, when somebody says who's the greatest la- rapper of all time, who do you guys say? Oh, that's a tough one. Man. <laughs> Man, I, you know, being from New York, it's, it's hard to kind of say that, you know, you can't, you can't, you have to put Biggie in that. Biggie. Yeah. You, know, you, know, you have to put Biggie. Yeah. I mean, me personally, I've, I've been a big fan of Big Pun, of course. Yeah. And I think if Big Pun had lived a little longer, I think he would have done a lot, a lot more. Yeah. Um, but I think Biggie and Tupac are great. I, I love Biggie. You know, obviously. It's Biggie the standard, yeah, Biggie and, yeah. Biggie and Pac. Yeah, I was, what do you I, think? I think aside from the standard Biggie Pac, I, I love Lil Wayne. I think that, like, yeah. lyrically, he's said some shit that's just – a level above what other people usually put out. Um, obviously, like he's got you know good good contenders around in that level. Yeah. But I just for some reason he always connected to me. I don't know if it's just because I'm from the south or what. But like, what you think about Carter Five? Um, I honestly loved that album. I, I listened to it on repeat for like two weeks. Yeah. There was two songs. Actually, the one I think he did with Kendrick Lamar. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, it was like a story song. Mm-hmm. I wasn't. I'm not. I'm just not a fan of that type of track. So that was the only one I wasn't really vibing with. And um, over time, the last one he did, like dedicated to his mom, that one grew on me. I wasn't like a super fan at the beginning when it first came out. But over time, those were the only two I didn't really love. And then the last one, it was like, I like it. It's good. Like, yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. I'm so far removed from it now that I just don't really enjoy <laughs> most of the rap that's out now. I just don't. I Like when I listen to... Come on, PG. People gonna think you're getting old. Man. <laughs> I guess I am, because when I listen, people always make fun of me when they come over here. They're like, "Oh, you got the throwbacks on today." Because I, I'll, I, I still listen to like the chronic, like, like early mid '90s stuff is my is my favorite time for music. So after like the early 2000s is when I started really getting out of it. Although I will say, where I come from. Everybody loved Wu-Tang and then all of the albums that kind of spawned off all the individual albums that everybody did from Wu-Tang were all really popular when I was, you know, still listening to rap music. But I just don't really care for most of the rap music now. I just don't. No, I just don't like the like like the sound as much. Yeah, that was one reason why I liked the Carter five was because it wasn't like mumble rap. Like it was it was something new. I think that was as close as we were going to get to the Carter three. Yeah, to to my like me personally, like it wasn't on that level, but it was like. Next best to the, like to what he's put out. Well, I think mumble rap is what people like now. Yeah, I know. Yeah, I know. What, what year did uh, Big Pun pass away? Uh, two thousand. And you guys did the. So you guys did it in two thousand eight. Is what? It, yeah. So we were we've been yeah. shooting. We were shooting since two thousand and four. I think right. Or a little, so I think six. Two thousand six. Like yeah. It came out in two thousand eight. Yeah. Do you have any connection with any of the people that you you worked with for that anymore? Yeah, well, we're, yeah absolutely. We're very close with his family after that. You know, his his uh, his wife specifically, Liza. Um, she was going through a lot of different. You know, obviously when he passed away, you know, it happened so abruptly. I guess so. The whole the whole world kind of like went upside down. You know yeah. what I mean? So she was dealing with a lot of stuff, and uh, I, I guess she's getting better now. You know, but that's good. Yeah. So how did you go from Big Pun into the bodybuilding <laughs> world? Good question. How do we do it? Well, you know, one of the things we did, obviously, with, with Big Pun is that it opened up a lot of doors for us in the music world. So during that time, I don't know if you remember, you had 
all these file sharing sites that would share music illegally. You know, I, I forget the names. LimeWire. Exactly, LimeWire. <laughs> it all started, Napster blew up. Yeah, Napster yeah. When I was in college, you would go into different dorms and there'd be Napster would be just playing exactly. in the rooms. You would have either Napster yep. or LimeWire on. Napster and was like, wasn't Napster like the legal version though? Like you had to pay for Napster or was it? It became legal after. It became after. legal okay. after. Okay, so, yeah. Because I remember LimeWire was like instant AIDS for your computer. Well, pe people <laughs> like, went at Napster though, like Metallica boycotted them. Right. It was like a big deal. So yeah. they had to go legal. Yeah. They, so, they lost a lawsuit and yeah. they, they lost the company and thing. So what we realized is that there was a huge opportunity in the, in the music industry. A lot of these studios didn't know how to market their catalogs anymore because people were downloading music illegally. So the business model changed, and that presented an opportunity for us to help market music catalogs through documentaries and film. So that's how we were able to work a lot now with Sony, EMI, which we were able to get secure a distribution deal for a lot of the music t you know, TV documentaries that we did. And um, we did a movie called Last Day of Summer, which was our first feature that Vlad directed with Nikki Reed, who was at the time uh, starring in Twilight. That movie was produced for around about a million or so. We re released that movie, we sold it, and uh, it, it became a hit mostly because, I, from a business side, because of Nikki Reed being in Twilight, so that momentum helped pick up the movie cool. internationally. And um, we started working on Generation Iron. We met Jerome Gary, who's the original producer of Pumping Iron, and the uh, director, um, what was his, uh, his name again? Yeah, I forgot his name, but Jerome was the main guy behind the film. Yeah, Jerome Gary, and he's based out of California. And we presented the idea of, of doing a sequel to Pumping Iron in a way, and we realized at that moment that Arnold had the rights <laughs> to Pumping Iron. Of course. So Arnold bought all the rights, and he basically owned the catalog. So we said, you know what? Let's start meeting some of the bodybuilders. So that's how we were able to meet a lot of the you know competitors like Kai Green, Phil Heath, Branch Warren, you know Hidetada, and we put together a documentary and a treatment based on some of the findings that we've had you know over, over the last year, and we started developing this project with Jerome Gary, Vlad directing it, and um, we put really our heart and soul into making this project, and we realized then just from meeting Kai, Phil, and all these guys that bodybuilding. You know, be, slowly became a passion for us as well. We loved the athletes. We loved what they, who they, you know, who they were, what they represented. We realized these athletes were more than just like meatheads. You know, there was a science to it. They had a lot of charisma, a lot of humor behind them. These, like, these are smart people that had a story to tell. And um, we started developing the project. Then in 2000, what was it? 13. It came 2013. Uh, we released the film. It became a massive hit worldwide. It was top five highest grossing documentary at the box office. We beat out Sony, Fox. And all independently. We massive did ourselves. studios that we beat at the box office. And, um, you know, we sold it to Netflix, sold it to ESPN. The movie took off internationally. And uh, since then, we realized there was a huge opportunity for content in the fitness and the bodybuilding space. We saw space. a void, really. A void in the media space. You know, really, Joe Weider was the smartest guy in the mm -hmm. industry. And he kind of created the media and everything else. He, he created the industry, basically, you know what I'm saying? So when he sold the magazines, that's when the media, as we know it, in the bodybuilding space kind of crumbled. So we saw that. We saw that the magazines are not going to transition into something new. Digital. So exactly. So yeah. in 2015, we started Generation I. And that, we took the name from the movie, and we spinned it off into an actual network, which is basically kind of like, like you imagine like Vice Digital Network meets Muscle and Fitness, you know what I mean? So that's the idea behind it. And now basically it's a platform for original content like the Muscle Mogul that we did with you, all the different series and shows that we do, 
and also movies. So we used it as a marketing platform for films, original films, like Ronnie Coleman, Generation Iron 2, et cetera. And it's also a digital network at the same time. Yeah, so throughout the years, what we did was, you know, before Generation Iron, we had established relationships with Netflix, uh, ESPN, Hulu, you know, Showtime, a lot of big cable TV and studios. And we were able to bring those relationships over to the fitness and bodybuilding side. And we were able to create stories in the bodybuilding and fitness industry and in a way bring mainstream outlets to the industry. And that's how we were able to kind of bridge everything together. Were you able to connect with, because obviously the bodybuilders, we were all gonna watch Generation Iron. I remember there was a lot of hype that year around the Olympia and yeah. everything going into it. it. It got a lot of hype. And well, for starters, did it go as big or bigger or not as big as you thought? When it Because it seemed like it was a pretty big deal. We got really good reviews from a lot of mainstream outlets like uh, LA Times, you know what I mean? Like Washington Post. Post. Washington Post. Um, so we got good reviews that crossed it over to the, to the mainstream. So like a lot of people that have nothing to do with bodybuilding, like tell us yeah. they like Generation Iron. They find out about bodybuilding through Generation Iron, right. which is kind of cool, you know what I mean? Because you would think, right, like bodybuilding, like if you go to the Arnold Classic, you see the it's massive scale of Expo, right? You would think that people know about it, but I found out about Arnold Classic when I was doing research for the film. I came to Ohio, Columbus, Ohio for the first time, I think it was 2012, and I was like, wow, what is this? You see Arnold, Arnold is there, like his face is everywhere, it's a huge expo center, but I come back home to New York, nobody knows about it, what's Arnold Classic, what is that? You, you know, know what I'm saying? So, you know, we found out last time we were there that that weekend alone supplies 50% of the revenue for that city. That's what I heard too, that's Amazing. crazy. Insane, yeah. wow. Like, but, uh, for the year. You also year. find that many of the people that are there don't know much about bodybuilding either. Right. They just know of the event. Exactly. Right. I mean, and the thing is about Generation Iron is that we created a story that really represented the true, hardworking American spirit, really, which, which, which really, you know, is significant and it symbolizes putting in hard work and sweat into something that you want to achieve, you know, that you want to achieve a goal on. And that's what Kai represented. That's what a lot of these athletes represented in this film. And after Generation Iron, we received messages from people around the world saying, you know, because of this movie, you know, I'm working my ass off to, to, to stay in shape, to lose 100 pounds. You know, it's not about being this mass monster, but it's also about the true hard grit determination and the spirit that you have. And that's what really what, what meant a lot to us as well. I think that, you know, I don't want to say this like, like as a true like definitive fact, but I think that Generation Iron did a lot for putting Kai Green out there. It, it, he was very popular anyway. But it, it seemed like Kai Green became more of a household name after Generation Iron. People think that we prioritized Kai Green in the film and made Phil look bad. That's what people... I think a lot of people do think that, people but think I, that, I, right? I don't yeah. think it was intentional, though. I, I definitely don't think that. We never gave anybody a script. Yeah. Like, you say this and you say that. Like, it kind of happened, you know what I mean, in the yeah. film. Like, one guy's a champion, he's on top of the world, and he, is, he looks more like he has more wealth, you know what I mean? So always going to look like the other guy's an underdog, you know what I mean? Especially when, you know, when he he looks a certain way and, and he, he does things a certain way, he talks a certain way, you know what I mean? Kai has that charisma in him. So I, we never intentionally were like, let's make him look bad. It never happened, ever. And I don't think, honestly, I don't think Phil looks bad in the movie. 
I don't understand why people say he looks good. Just because he's confident? Like, why does he look good? I think he just seems like Phil if, you, if you've known about him. For <laughs> what do you, and, and I think that you, obviously, at this point in the game, know this, that no matter what way you shoot a film or what way you, you play out a storyline, somebody's going to take it their own right. way and make it sure. how they saw it. And it has nothing to do with the exactly. actual plot or, or what it was meant to be. And it's just always going to be that way. No matter how you – you can't please everybody no matter what you put out. Well, if you look so. at the, 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 the history of competitive sports, right, you always look at, you know, competition. You have the underdog, and that's really what a lot of big leagues sell is, is really the underdog versus, the, you know, you know the, the, the hardcore winner, you know, like the Mayweather, Pacquiao. Yeah. The, you know, that's, and that's what people saw in, in Phil versus Kai. And I think that the film obviously incorporated that story, and, and, and they saw, you know, the, the two sides. They saw a guy from... Brooklyn, who grew up in the project, which is very real, where, you know, Kai grew up in the foster care system, and that was a huge story that we were able to tell, and people identified a lot with that. People identify a lot with underdogs in, in sports films. But there's also other stories like Branch Warren, you know what I mean, Hidetada, you know, there was Victor Martinez and stuff like that. There's other guys also that I guess maybe people don't talk about them as much, but they also played a big part of the film. Was there anybody that didn't like the way they were portrayed in the film? I know Branch Warren was upset because he fell off the horse in the film. And everybody kept talking about it, kept talking about yeah, it. Yeah, I remember that That was like that. It was cut into memes and stuff. Yeah. But I mean, he did fall off the horse. It's not like yeah. you staged it. So No, I think yeah. I think the reason that went bad is just like in the scene before how he's like, I'm going to go and win this shit. And then the very next scene is him falling off the horse. Like it's it's kind of comical the way it was put together. Like not that even, whether it was meant to be or not, like I, you know, obviously would never want anybody to get hurt. But like that scene was funny. Like he's a huge dude getting thrown off of a horse. Like yeah. I'm sure that horse is like not really trying to carry somebody so heavy every day or or realistically at all when they're used to carrying like I, little old ladies like, I, thought, I thought he looked good because he still got up oh yeah he recovered and then he competed you know what i mean yeah absolutely so, like, it, it's but again like even if he had like hit the ground and cracked the earth open people would have been like he fell off a horse <laughs> you know it's well, i know he was upset about that that, yeah. that wasn't that, that was in the film what about so from the time that that came out that was a big hit till now you've done two other generation irons so there's generation iron two and three You've done other... My favorite is the, the Ronnie Coleman one. I think everybody really loves. That's a special Ronnie one, Ronnie Coleman, yeah. Uh, most people told me that they cried in the Ronnie Coleman one. I think that it's different if you've seen Ronnie Coleman's whole career. I also think if you knew nothing about Ronnie Coleman and watched it, it's still pretty, pretty you know, heart-wrenching, I would say. Yeah. Um, but I think it's more so for the people that remember him as, like, a god, you know? Yeah, there was no one that's ever... Right been like him yeah. and there may never be anyone like him ever again and then you know to see how beat up and how far down he ended up after all that i think that that film has probably changed a lot of people's mentality towards training that hard yeah. yep. that's another one that crossed over the most i think after generation iron because people saw it on netflix and again regular people just discovered ronnie coleman and they're like wow you know what I mean? It was a very drastic comparison to what, like you said, when he was training, to how he looks now, and he's still going through pain and the surgeries. It was a very drastic, like, two drastic human beings almost, like, you know what I mean? Yeah, people are so used to seeing just the upside of yeah. being a bodybuilder or just the upside of winning a competition or something like that. And they don't ever really think about, like, the long-term effects of, of doing what we do to our bodies and yeah. for, for just a trophy or just for, you know, to say I won first. And it's... When you, when you see, like you said, that drastic comparison, all of a sudden yeah. people are like, oh, that's what happens? Yeah. Oh. Yeah. I mean, when we were discussing the, in pre-production development for this project, you know, we, we said we have to make this film because 
there's nothing like it. No, you know, there's a lot of people out there that, believe it or not, still don't know who Ronnie is, but he represents so much for the sport, and is a guy that really lives and breathes the sport, and and that's what Ronnie represented. And I think that just being able to get phone calls from all over the world on this project, we even got phone calls from politicians on the film. Really? Yeah, from politicians that said that they loved the movie. That's awesome. You know, people Sweet. saying that you know this is like an unbelievable film, but it was just it was just really really something special for us to create for Ronnie, and I think that. You know, I don't think Ronnie even realized how far this film would go and how much impact it would have on his life, too. But I want to give a shout out to him because so when we're talking to Ronnie to, uh, making this film, you know, I told him if we're going to do it, we have to bring the cameras into your house right now and show what you're going through. And I said, all right, he was fine. He, and he agreed to it. You know what I'm saying? Where I don't know. We, I mean, like, I don't That's know. If I, would, I, I don't know if I would agree to that if yeah. I was in, that, in his position, mm-hmm. right, to, to show that. But he seems like he's very humble about it. And he's all right. You know, let's show that. Yeah. And that was the that, that was the, the story, you know what I mean? Him agreeing to that, and bringing the cameras into his house, and showing him with his family, and showing him going through a surgery. Like I brought the cameras into the into the into the surgery room, you know what I mean? And he agreed to that. That was very special for the film. So yeah. I gotta give a shout out to him. Yeah, shout out to Ronnie for that. And yeah, we more, all love Ronnie too. Yeah, and more importantly too is just, I think that Vlad as a director over the years we, has been able. It's important to gain trust with. Uh, you know, the athletes and the subjects that we have in our films. And with, without them having that trust in us, we're not going to be able to deliver a movie that will resonate with viewers around the world. And that's important because, you know, oftentimes you'll shoot a project and you can tell right away that it's not as authentic if you don't get that trust. You know, when you let someone lets you into their home or someone lets you into their lives and talk about what they've been through, you know, that helps our viewers identify a lot with the stories. And Vlad is a testament to that because he's able to have, you know, have him trust him as a director, really, to tell a story. Yeah. I was, what was important to me, I knew that the hardcore bodybuilding community were, was going to watch it. Um, I, what was important to me, and I actually said before it came out, I said, I bet you that we'll all like it, and it'll probably fail to reach the mainstream. And it worked, which is great. And, and I think that, helped open the door to a lot of people that wouldn't know anything about bodybuilding to, you know, I think some of the personalities of course helped that, but I think it, it definitely generated some interest that now people may look at bodybuilding a little bit differently and they may be a little bit more interested in some of the new stories. But do you think they'll be looking down on it? That, that's my question. Kind of like you being, you being a bodybuilder yourself, right? Do you think when you show something like this, right? Do you think people are more concerned or they, you know what I mean? How do you think they look at it? What do you think? Um, I actually think that when you, like you said, gain that trust with an athlete or realistically any individual that is used to being in the spotlight as the king of the world or the top dog or the best at anything, whether it's, you know, NASCAR or whatever it is, when you're used to being the best and being seen in the public's eye that way, for you to have the mental ability to, to put yourself out there, not at a hundred way down in the, down in the depths, like, you know, not really knowing if you're going to get back to where you want to be, just making sure you're taking the steps to get there. I think that's what really adds the the real dynamic that people get sucked into. Cause they're like, yo, he was the best ever. And I, I it could happen to me. It could happen to anybody. Yeah. It's, it's what makes you really, like you said, resonate with that part of it. It's not just, we went in and, you know, made it look like something was the story we were telling. It's, it's the real story. That's, I think, hard to look down on and people that would look down on that they just miss the whole point of the entire film right. like have you had pro- 
ideas or projects that you presented that, that certain bodybuilders were just like, nope, I don't want to be a part of it? Wow. Um, you know, we do a lot. So this, this year alone, we're putting out five films. Um, so Enhanced, you, you saw Enhanced? Yes, Tony Hughes great. Uh, story, yeah. Then we have... Um, I'll tell you, there's a lot of people that the hardcore bodybuilding fans, they do not want to watch the Tony Huge. And I've told them, just watch it. it just, just, <laughs> just watch it and just, just, just check it out. I think that a lot of people think that he is a spectacle for the sake of uh, attention. Um, but I, I think that people have a much different perspective if they watch. And, and at the least, they'll be entertained. So let me, give you, let me give you a lineup. So Enhanced is, I understand why hardcore bodybuilders or purists of the sport will say, I don't want to watch. I, I understand that. But we have a very diverse films coming out this year so we have Dorian Yates I mean Dorian Yates is one of the most respected bodybuilders in the world we're having a film about him coming out this year we have a Lee Priest movie coming out this year we have a Colin Van Morger who's a influencer but also very crazy story about his you know him being adventurous guy who gets hurt and then overcomes something as well you know and then we have of course Sean Roden documentary coming out this year Sean Roden is you know current Mr. Olympia you know so it's a very diverse group of projects and you know if you don't like Enhance for whatever reason, I'm sure you're going to like something else. So yeah. uh, as far as pitching a project and somebody not liking it, we didn't, we didn't necessarily reach that point. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I mean, we, it's funny. You know, we get people that say, oh, we love Enhance. We love the movie. You know, we, we think it's an, our best film yet from Generation Iron. Then we get people that say, you know, we love Generation Iron 3, you know, more than Generation Iron 2. Then we get people that say, we love Generation Iron 2 more than Generation Iron 3. You know, so... It, there's there's a there's a film out there within the Generation Iron catalog space mm. for everybody, you know. The one that I have seen take the most criticism has been Generation Iron Three. That a lot of people say they love Generation Iron One, Generation Iron Two they liked. A lot of people say they feel like Generation Iron Three left them almost like, well, wh wh where are they going now? You know, do do, do you? Well, did you do it like that on purpose? Because there's going to be a Generation Iron 4 coming eventually? Or <laughs> is that just how you guys wanted it to go? It's a trilogy, you know. Uh, generation, every Generation Iron is like an anthology series, you know. It's not, one is not a mimic of the, a mimic of the other one, you know, a continuation. It's like three totally separate standalone films. The first one was about Olympia, competition for Olympia, right? It was a modern pumping iron, basically. The second one was... You know, focus on the industry. What is the bodybuilding industry, right? Like, people don't know about what an industry is. And we explain what it is to a certain degree. You know, this is different. There's influencers, you know what I mean? There's, there's female competitors. There's uh, women's bodybuilding. It's kind of being put to the side, you know what I mean? And then there's guys like Rich Piana, you know? Uh, some people hate Generation Two because of Rich Piana, you know what I mean? Like, I feel like in the industry, there's two types of people, right? <coughs> One type of people is a purist of the sport who only want to see the positive positive aspects of the sport. You know what I mean? Go train hard on the gym, eat, diet, and you'll be the champion. You know what I mean? They don't want to like steroids. Don't they, don't wanna, they, they don't want to hear the word steroid mentioned anywhere. Yeah. I, don't, I just don't get that. And then you get the other side, which is like, show me as, as much steroids as possible. Show me everything. Take me behind the scenes. Show me how they inject steroids. Just talk about everything being real. You know what I mean? You can't make everybody happy. And you can't make no. everybody happy. And they're always going to clash. They're always going to clash. And like we get emails, people saying show more steroids, and people say don't show steroids. Why are you working with Tony Huge? So uh, I don't know, you know, I don't know. Like I feel like we have different types of films for for these two different types of people, you know. So. Yeah, I mean, when when we did Generation Iron, we realized the first one, we realized that we had to be very object objective about the the topic of steroids. Otherwise, we were gonna get crushed by 
you know, LA Times, New York Times, Washington Post, by the mainstream critics. And that's something that we had to make sure we addressed. And we did it the right way. We, we found a doctor uh, with the help of some of the sources that we had. And also Jim Sapani, right? Jim, Jim, Dr. Jim mm-hmm. Sapani was really, really instru- instrumental in, in really educating people about steroids and how it's being used and, and whatnot. And I think that that was addressed really well in the movie. And, and to, to this day, I mean, we try to be objective with every film because we want to make sure both sides of the story are told. And sometimes the conclusions are made by the viewers, you know? But see, not everybody's a Tony Huge or Rich Piano, right? Like you're not gonna you're not gonna get a current Mr. Olympia showing you how he what what he takes. It's just not gonna happen because first of all, he's gonna get penalized most likely by the industry, right? He's gonna he's gonna lose sponsor potentially, and like and they just, they just don't want to show that necessarily. You know what I mean? And some people all they want to talk about is that, and they very be, being very open about that, right? So there's different subjects that we're working with all the time, different characters. You know? Yeah, I mean, the, the key for us is also to kind of highlight the trends. Mm-hmm. You know, I think when Generation Iron 1 happened and then Generation Iron 2 happened, we realized it was a huge trend. We wanted to educate people what the bodybuilding industry is, you know, who these influencers are, how they make their money. And there's a lot of people that just didn't know, didn't know those details, you know. And I think that was a story that we wanted to tell with guys like Rich Piana and Callum and a few other ones in Generation Iron 2. And then Generation Iron 3, we felt that there was a need for us to tell a story for an international audience as well. There's a lot of international athletes out there that are not on the spotlight, but are putting in a lot of effort and a lot of work into training, nutrition, and dieting, and also competing. And we wanted to make sure we highlighted that as well. Well, I think that because of social media, before social media, the purists, the the better you were as a bodybuilder, you're going to get the most spotlight. But now, because of social media, it's really come down to more who's going to speak more. And that's why somebody like Rich Piana became so big. I mean, Rich Piana might have become bigger than bodybuilding. You know, I mean, when he died, it was on TMZ. You know, I mean, there's plenty of very, very good bodybuilders that competitively were, of course, far better than Rich Piana, but nobody knew that they died outside of our circle. So now with social media, it's, if you have the personality that maybe you have the, the physique too, but it's the personality that I think has spread the word on this a lot more. And because of that, the, the drugs have been talked about far more in bodybuilding than really any other sport. But, you know, I believe that there are drugs, you know, in every single sport. You see it a lot now with UFC guys getting popped a lot. Yeah. Um, when somebody gets popped in, in Major League Baseball or football, they're, they're considered like cheaters. Um, but I, I believe that those are just the ones that get caught. And I believe there's a lot more of it than, than I think that society really wants to, expe- to accept. So, you know, what do you guys think about the mainstream sports and, and performance enhancing versus bodybuilding? Because I think in bodybuilding, it's, it's, it's a lot more ex- ex- expected and accepted now. Oh, yeah. Other sports, you can't even, there's nobody's going to share their stories how they use steroids. Maybe after, the, like, Jose Conseco, right, he retired and then he talks about steroids. But other sports are way more stricter. You can't talk about steroids and being a professional football it, player. You how know many I mean? guys like or like that? That after yeah. they after they're done, even talk about it. Almost none. Almost none. Almost yeah, none. none. Like yeah. So in this sport, you know, you can get away with way more, I think, and people are more vocal about it as well. And the social media changed everything. The social media basically, in many ways, killed the magazines, you know, um, and really gave everybody a voice. Everybody's kind of like, it's up to you how you're gonna grow, how you're gonna advance. And people do crazy shit, though. You know, people do really crazy stuff out there to get noticed. Now, is it good or is it bad? I don't know. I mean, social media, in my opinion, has 
made bodybuilding a lot bigger in many ways. It's, it's more of a universal topic. It's, Absolutely. You know, it's more accessible. Information is more accessible. It's also way more desirable because of social media. But, yeah. you know, back, you know, in the 90s, you didn't see people that were really in good shape unless you went to the gym. Looked right. For them. Then, now yeah. they're all in your face yeah. every time you go online. And you know, now you have guys like Joe Rogan talking about bodybuilding yep. and steroids and all that. You know, and I think it, there's a lot of education out there that was not available that there, there is now. You yeah. know? Well, I think an interesting one to look at is one of the most beloved people in Hollywood and sports is The Rock. People love The Rock in, in all aspects of life. And I think most of us in bodybuilding, we all know that The Rock takes steroids. You know, there's, there's, we just know it. Um, I, don't, I don't know that. <laughs> you just, when you do it long enough, you know, I can even tell different things that he's doing for different movies. So he'll never, you know, he's not going to be out there talking about what he does for the movies. Uh, I even know who was helping him uh, with what he was doing for one of the movies because we've talked about it before, but... You know, that is somebody who maybe how, how do you feel about bodybuilders who are influencers that claim to be natural but everybody talks again everybody says they're not natural how do you feel about those people the biggest one who gets the most hate is michael hearn wow. uh, uh, <laughs> michael trend they call him now right so honestly but what if he's natural he maybe he is right maybe he truly is that genetically gifted we, we don't know because we're not in, you know, his, his cabinet in the closet and seeing where he keeps his stash. We don't know. <laughs> but he'll, he's, he's been, been riding that forever. I think that the, to not get ridiculed, you have to just not even talk about it or you have to be honest about it. You know, you, you, you to come out and, and be like, I am natural, I am natural over and over. I mean, DLB gets, gets ripped up a lot yeah. for that. She may be natural. She might be. There are certain people that are genetically gifted. For the most part, you're not going to be that she, lucky. She was in GI too, um, and that that topic came up, and she answered the question. You, you can see it in Generation Iron too. So she she also claims that is she's fully natural. Um, yeah, just like everybody else. I mean, a lot of people you know say the same thing. So, I think if you are truly natural, then then you should come out and and take a stance on it. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I think if you're not and you try to push it you get looked at as a liar. You know, you're right. lying to the fans, you're lying to the community, and people, people don't like that. So um, now I get it in, in, in baseball and football, it's just not allowed. You know, you're, you're considered right. cheating, you're breaking the rules if you're doing that. There really aren't tests in competitive bodybuilding, so you're not cheating. You know, you're just doing what everybody else is, is doing. Do you, think there should be, do you think there should be tests? Let's put it like this. If there was testing in, in bodybuilding for steroids, when I was getting into it, I would have stayed natural. I would have followed the rules, but there wasn't, so I did what I had to do win you know that's fair fair is fair you know and, and now there are guys that are like all right well i'm gonna take more than this guy because i want more of an advantage sure mm -hmm. uh, that is why i think that with regulation if there were doctors involved and you know there was a legal issue where okay this doctor is going to make sure that you're healthy and that you're performing the best that you could possibly be i think it would be great for sports i really do yeah. um but i understand the hormones a lot better than you know the general public will and and, and that's that's why i have the stance that i do um, I think to do it sneaky and, and, and reckless is not a good idea, of course. But I also believe that most of the baseball players and football players that are doing it, they, they, I do believe they're working with experts. Yeah. Um, and I do believe that there are many ways to get around the tests and whatnot. And there are yeah. cover-ups for when they get popped most of the time. And I, I really find it hard to believe that somebody bought something from vitamin shop without knowing and then they failed their drug test, you know. And they use that to cover things up quite a bit. <laughs> 
and uh, I, I just like anybody that can can know like things like the clear existed way back and now like all people like the rock wouldn't have access to that or like wouldn't have the ability to have something like that designed specifically for them with like you know all the money in the world uh it's kind of far-fetched to think that like oh it happened back then but it's not happening now Mm -hmm. like there's there's guys that you can see like you know like um well the rock is the easiest example because just no one's genetics are that good you know i mean He's, he's only looked better in the last yeah. 20 years. He's like Roger Clemens. He's gotten better with age. Um, now, we had our athlete, Keon, who we put it out there that he was... That's a good example, actually. And yes. we, we, we drug tested him. We did everything. And there's still a lot of people that don't believe it. Oh, yeah. We've seen the comments. Most people still probably don't believe it. I wouldn't believe it if I didn't see the... Like, right. And I, I can't read it, but like if he's telling me that it's saying that he's natural, then I believe it. But if I didn't have him telling me yes, sure, sure. then I would not believe it. I wouldn't. I couldn't. Like, I don't know why. And yeah, I, people I, think there's an agenda behind that. that. Yeah. You know, why Why is PJ saying that this guy's natural? I mean, maybe, you could, I mean, you've spoken about it already multiple times, but, you know, it's fascinating to see people's perspective on that. I mean, I have taught many of our athletes how to use things the right way. And if Keon wanted to, I told him I would hope that you would come to somebody like me that knows how to do it the right way. And I did tell him there's going to be a limit that you're going to get to naturally. And I told him you will not win the Mr. Olympia natural. You're very good. This is, this is amazing what you've done naturally, but to get to that level, there's going to be somebody whose genetics are close to as good as yours or as good as yours. And sauced up. Doing the other stuff too. <laughs> and that's going to be where you hit the ceiling. So, so will, you, will you then advise him to, 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 be, you know, to get... Absolutely. And I won't let him pretend to be natural when he's not natural anymore either. <laughs> so, you know, I, I wouldn't let him... The, the guys that, that, that I believe are lying... And I'll tell you, I don't know with Mike O'Hearn. I don't know. Um, Kian is natural. Maybe Mike is natural. He could be. There are some people that are absolutely genetically gifted. Um, I mean, Ronnie Coleman turned pro natural. And a lot of people think that that's not true. But anybody that knew him knew that he was. And then he got on the good stuff. Flex Wheeler says that he thinks that you know, his, his biggest mistake in his career was nothing that he did personally. It was him telling Ronnie Coleman about how to use steroids the right way. Because so, then the next year, Ronnie Coleman came back and destroyed everyone. Yeah. We, we get a lot of emails. People say, make a, finally a project about natural bodybuilding. Only, only focus on natural competitors. And, you know, what do you guys think about that? Would you want to see a project? Like I would that? watch it. I think the guys would look far less impressive, of course, so people would have to understand that. I think it'd be good to see how different they really do look because there are a lot of guys in the natural federation that I also think are lying about being, being natural. And then there are guys that are really good natural that you have enough of an eye where you're like, that guy's telling the truth, yeah. you know? So I think it would be, you know, it hasn't been done. And I think that there's a story that, that should be told on those guys. Um, I think that people have to accept that the physique is going to be far less impressive. But then, um, how would we know if they're lying or not? You know what I mean. What if we yeah, get a character and the character's lying to us, and then we got to test them? Yeah, all. you yeah, could get into the, the testing part of it for sure. Maybe yourself. you should. Maybe you should do it for us. But you test everybody that's in the film. That's gonna be interesting. <laughs> they'll they'll say that I that I. That <laughs> you I yeah. <laughs> to be honest, going back to what you were talking about with Generation Iron having a video for everybody, you know, when you look at the human mentality and then you add something like physical fitness and you say, well, there's people that are gonna do it simply for like vanity reasons and then there's gonna be people that yeah. truly legitimately are just chasing a healthier lifestyle and then there's other people out there that are like so paranoid about yeah. dying that they're like anything i can do to to extend my longevity is why i'm doing it yeah. and 
all those people aren't going to fall into the same category. Some right. of them are going to be power lifters. Some of them are going to be bicyclists. Some of them right, are going right. to be swimmers and stuff like that. So yeah, no, I think it's a great idea to have that wide variety because fitness is so grandly widespread that there's it's impossible to hit one tar target demographic with yeah. just one style of video so like in the same yeah. way that you did to tony huge yeah i do think it would be a great idea to do like a natural thing but again i think you really do have to put that testing on camera for people to believe it because do it, yeah. yeah otherwise you don't get that same dynamic like you did yeah. with ronnie you know yeah, yeah. you don't feel real that is true have you thought about doing something on just the different levels of of the woman's side you know, in Generation I, okay, so Generation I and Two, we had Iris Kyle in that film. Yeah, um, it was the, actually the, the has to be the greatest female bodybuilder of all time. I it think so. Yeah, for sure. I, mean, I don't um, think there's any debate on that one. Well, people people yeah. loved Linda Murray. She was great, and yeah. I think they did they have the same amount of Olympias, or did Iris have one more? Than I think her? Iris had. I think Iris had more. Um, and Linda Murray was on a, on another level. She was just outstanding. Yeah. Um, and then Iris Kyle was like the Ronnie Coleman. You know, mm -hmm. so she she took it to a whole another level. So I think that she's you know, accepted as the, the best. But now there's so many more women in the sport between the, the bikini, you know, figure women's physique. It's, it's gotten huge now. Yeah. And, um, well, there's also a dark side to the, to the woman's side on all, on all levels. People will often think that, well, the bikini girls, they must all be natural, but you know, there's, there's a lot more to it than that. And there's a lot more, I think there's a lot more, uh, I guess because I coached women for so long, there's a lot more of the psychological pressure on the girl's side too. And then you also wonder, like the girls that do push it that far, you know, like what what made them push it so far? Because it it's far less accepted on the woman's side. Like, you know, as 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 hard as people may be on some of these freaky bodybuilders, there's an aspect of it where people really think it's cool. Whereas on the woman's side, even most of the the male bodybuilders kind of look down on the on the woman yeah. bodybuilders. Yeah, we we do want to include more women in our in our projects. Not just in the films, but also in a, on a network, you know, having more content with women, more editorial content on women. It's just that uh, sometimes it's difficult because our audience is so male dominated. Um, I think it's like 85% male at the moment. Um, and they want to see more men. You would think they want to see more women, right? But they, they actually want to see more men bodybuilders doing, doing things. Oh, of course. So, uh, but we do have a, a agenda to include more women, you know, as the network grows, as our platforms keep growing, we want to include more women, absolutely. Diversity. What absolutely. about, so you said you have five projects this year. Yeah. Are you doing anything outside of fitness or are you staying around fitness going forward? Well, it's all, you know, Generation I platform and also it's a lot of editorial content as well, mm -hmm. you know. So Ed and I always kind of like, we detach ourselves from, from the network and editorial content because we have a lot of relationships and the network has to be very objective. Like when the news breaks, if something happens, even if you're in the news, we got to report on it. Like the network has to report on it. You know what I mean? But we kind of like, we have our team run the network, you know? Um, so we want to just have more content as much as possible, both editorial and video content and keep diversifying. You know what I mean? Uh, as far as the content has to be fitness related or at least sports related, you know, we do a lot of MMA stuff as well. We did a movie called The Hurt Business. I don't know if you saw it. It's, uh, it's actually on Netflix right now. So it's called The Hurt Business. And that movie tackled MMA, you know. Uh, I haven't seen that one. I'm going to have to watch that movie. John Jones is in it. Uh, Ronda Rousey is in it. A lot of, a lot of uh, Rashad Evans, who actually lives in Boca, yeah, too. Yeah, he lives, he lives right around yeah, here. Yeah, he's a great guy, you know what I mean? And uh, that, that was our take on MMA. So we definitely want to also do a lot of more work in MMA world as well. Cool. I think that because the training is so, so tough in yeah. MMA, there's a lot of – I think that most people that are into bodybuilding, I find 
not all of them, but are into other sports as well. And a lot of, a lot of bodybuilders are really into MMA also. And I think yeah. that when you're working out, you may not like, you know, CrossFit for instance, but at the end of the day, there, there's a lot of hard work that goes into all of it. And there's, sure. a, there's CrossFit a lot is of hated man by everybody. It really, it's, it's strongly <laughs> hated, but it's, it's arguably the most popular. Yeah, you know, there's which CrossFit. is probably why it's it's so widely hated is because it's more exposed to the public that they can see it and be like, I don't like that. I've had a like lot it. of CrossFit competitors tell me that I would love CrossFit if I got into it because of how competitive I am. Did you try it ever? I didn't at the time when it was first popular because I thought it was fucking stupid. <laughs> <laughs> Excuse my language, uh, but I have a little bit different perspective now. I think there's. Um, something to be said about trying to be the best that you can be and whatever it is. So if you want to be the best chess player, you know, do what it takes to be the best chess player. If you want to go to CrossFit and beat everybody else and beat your personal self, then that's great. That's, that's, that's your personal choice. So I actually, I actually respect CrossFit a lot more now than I did. And, and some of the CrossFit competitors are phenomenal athletes. And I'll tell you this, I've watched some of these Reebok games and I think most of them are on steroids, for sure, for sure. <laughs> and that could be a whole other side of, you know, what are the CrossFit competitors doing? I also think that CrossFit almost like, I don't know if it's been said very blatantly like this, but I feel like for whatever reason, it almost has like a stigma of if you do CrossFit, you're natural. Like, like they try to like push that like, oh, we don't take steroids. It's CrossFit. It's not bodybuilding. Right. It's right. not the gym. It's, it's CrossFit. Right. So, but then like. Y'all are clearly taking sauce. I mean, <laughs> the, 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 the good CrossFit girls are beasts. They're jacked. Yes, much bigger than They're people. jacked. Well, most people assume that if you're leaner, you don't take steroids. So people assume that yeah. men's physique don't don't use enhancement yeah. from his drugs. Meanwhile, you, know you have all these actors, which <laughs> you know, taking steroids, you know. There's, there's been rumors out there as well and confirmations from people that Tom Cruise has taken steroids. And you're right, this guy's lean, thin, but... You know, they're enhancing them. Look at uh, American History X. Ed Norton, in every other movie, is ridiculously skinny. <laughs> and in that movie, he got kind of jacked. Yeah, he is pretty jacked. You know, he got, he yeah. got kind of jacked. I, I find it hard to believe that he just worked out for a little while and got that much bigger, <laughs> yeah. you know. And then all of a sudden, he got that much smaller. Chicken. After there's certain maybe you're taking Blackstone lab problem. I would send them some. Those are the ones that pe people say that those have steroids in them anyway. So. <laughs> I mean, there's movies where I think Mark Wahlberg's physique has totally changed. There's even a movie where Ryan Reynolds, to me, I was like, there's no way that he did that. This, exactly. natural, oh, yeah, you know, so exactly. yeah, I've seen that. And like, like even like Jonah Hill, like you, she has in, insane transformation. Like there's no like Winshaw or anything oh, there. Yeah, like yeah. I don't know. You know what I'm saying? Like when you have the ability to have the yeah. best doctors in the country. I mean, I don't know. The and ones you're that aren't that expensive. Yeah, when you're competing for a big role like that, you know. Millions of dollars. What, what, what are you willing to do? Absolutely. To, Why know? would you not? Yeah. It's, yeah. These dudes are doing it for a plastic trophy, but you wouldn't do it for like a $3 million role? Ah. Uh, hard to believe. <laughs> <Yeah>. like, <laughs> and, and you know that you're, you know, there's a, a, the ego side of it as well, too, that you're cast in this role to be the strong guy or the, the army hero or whatever hero. it may be. You're going to be plastered on these screens everywhere, and, and you've got to look a certain way for, for that, that character. you got to fit the part. Yeah, it's very demanding. I mean, people, re people realize that there's a lot of demand uh, for these guys like Chris Hemsworth and all these other guys are huge, jacked guys. I mean, they're definitely putting in some sort of work in something else. Well, I, I always remember reading that Arnold would say that they wanted him to be smaller in a lot of his, his roles. But now it seems like there are certain roles where The Rock is very, very big. Certain roles where maybe he's, he's not as big. Not as big. Um, so I, I, I think that if you're somebody that's that's not working out at all and you're 
cast as this character, if you start working out and eating right and spending all these hours dedicating to your body, yeah, you're going to change a lot for sure. But if you're given, hey, I need you to look this way in three months or four months, right. and you have to accelerate it, like all the guys from um, 300, right. all those guys had pretty sick physiques. You know? And I, I remember there was a whole workout behind it. and was in like Flex Magazine or something. Yep. And I, I would assume there was probably some doctors involved that were writing scripts for all the things <laughs> that they needed. Well, it's interesting. When you're in a movie, right? You're a leading man. You got you to gotta look jacked for a role, let's say, right? You got to appeal to women, though. You mm -hmm. see what I'm saying? I don't know in your experience, but like, let's say you ask random 10 women in the street. Which, actually, in Generation 93, we go out on the street. We ask people, what do you think about these physiques? We show them like, men's open bodybuilders, men's physique. And most of them didn't like any open bodybuilders at all. They all were like, okay, men's physique, kind of too jagged, but okay, I'll, uh, I'll take that one. You know what I mean? Yeah. So <laughs> most regular women, they're not going to go for a bodybuilder, right? Mm -hmm. I mean... No. I, I would I, I make well, I you mean, know I can make that statement probably on their behalf you know what I mean would you, would you agree? They probably, <laughs> you know they see one of those men's open men men classic guys and they'll probably be very, very attracted to them. Yeah, right? you never know. Maybe yeah. I think that for whatever reason you can look however you want to look physically, but then there's just certain defining characteristics that that people who don't use right. uh, steroids will say like oh you're so veiny you definitely take steroids right, and it's right, like right. no that dude just has a low body fat percentage yeah. she's not <laughs> on juice like you right. know what I mean so then there's like certain things where like well you can look however you want but if you're too veiny I don't like it because you look like you're on steroids and it's like right. all right well there's certain things that do for sure come with it but that doesn't necessarily mean all of them come I remember with the, it. there's a famous quote by Arnold Schwarzenegger when somebody came up to him in Venice Beach when he was a bodybuilder right and they were like I would never want to look like you and he said don't worry you never will yeah so like we're talking about men's open bodybuilders mm -hmm. like this is not like you just decide oh I want to get the body like that I'll go get it yeah. it's just not going to happen like this is like you have to be dedicated like years of life and even you don't have genetics for you still not going to be that level but I think so, now where society is now, an Arnold Schwarzenegger physique is way more accepted than a Ronnie Coleman physique. A hundred percent. I think that there's far yeah. more w women that would say that they're pleased by Arnold Schwarzenegger's physique. And I don't know that they'll ever feel that way by Ronnie Coleman's physique. You know? what, what do you think about women bodybuilders specifically? Like, I'm not talking about uh, bikini girls. I'm talking about bodybuilders. What do you think about that? So about them? I, I have two, two different schools of thought on it. Number one, because I love bodybuilding so much, I find it to be impressive that a woman could take her body that far. As far as a physical attraction to it, I don't find it physically attracting at all. And I often think to myself, I'll definitely be getting some emails about this, that I wonder what happened to them that made them want to change themselves that much because the amount of like androgenizing effects that happen to the changes of their face, their hair, a lot of them lose their hair, you know, they start shaving, all these things, their voices change so much. So you're changing yourself so far away from what made you, a, what you being a woman in the first place. I often just wonder psychologically what caused that to happen. So it's a, it's a little bit different for a guy, you know, a lot of guys got into it for sports. Maybe they did it because they thought they were gonna impress some girls and then they just fell in love with it. For a woman, yeah. you're changing yourself so, so far. Yeah. I, I don't want to say I categorize it the same way as somebody that goes through a sex change, but you're changing yourself dramatically on the woman's side of it. I asked that question to, uh, to Iris Kyle, who was in Generation Iron 2, um, you know, because like if you, let's say, post a picture of, a, of, of her or somebody like her, you know, uh, on stage, let's say, right, you post a picture, you'll get a lot of just the worst kind of comments possible, right? So I asked her a question, how do you, you know, what do you feel like when people say that about you? 
And her response was, I'm not, in, I'm not in a beauty pageant. I'm not here to look for your validation. I'm here because I was professionally competing for so many years. So I was trying to meet the criteria to win a show. I'm a professional athlete, you know, and I think that's what's important to remember in this conversation, right? They did it because they were competing, just like the men's open bodybuilders, right? So it's just not accepted by the society, or even the fitness industry don't accept them either, because that's why women's bodybuilding mostly non-existent at the moment, right? Only a few shows, I think, right, offer women's bodybuilding. Yeah, it's 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 almost gone. It, almost gone. Yeah. It was going to be gone and has slightly emerged again, right. but it they took it so far. And, and that is a testament to the drugs specifically. You think the judges were also at fault because yes. they were given... Because they're rewarding it. You right. know? So when you first started bodybuilding on the women's side, what the bodybuilders looked like was, by today's standards, appealing in many ways. I think a lot of people thought that Corey Everson looked hot. Um, and she was Miss Olympia. You know? And it wasn't until... Well, really the first big monster was Bev Francis, who's a legend in our industry. And that was the first woman that people were like, wow, that kind of looks like a man in a way, you know, like how could she be that big? And, you know, then there were other girls who were like, well, I'm going to be bigger than that. Mm -hmm. And it's the competitive side of it. You're going to, you're going, you know, with the criteria. So the judges, kind of like, like men too. Yeah. If the judges didn't reward that though, like if the judges were like, nope, you're too big, we're going to keep doing it like this. Mm -hmm. Then other women, I don't think I'm, there still would be one, the ones that want to be abnormal, just like the, the guys that want to pump themselves up with synthol. But if you were staying with the criteria, the criteria didn't need to get so extreme. It would, it would evolve just like the, the sport has evolved anyway. Um, but, you know, the things that are changing the sport as it goes on, yes, there's advances in, in what we know about nutrition and training. Mm -hmm. uh, but it's the, it's the different drugs and the different uses of the drugs that are changing the physique so much. And anybody that thinks otherwise is, is fooled. Most of the questions that we get on the podcast, and I always tell people all the time, like, how many times do you want me to answer the same questions about steroids? But that's like the main thing that people want to know. They want to know, what do I take to do this? What do I take to do that? And, you know, I, I've said numerous times, like, look, I can tell you the best cycles that I, I've used or things that other people are, are, are using. But your odds of looking like these people that you want to look like are very, very, very slim because they have a lot of other things going for them as well. But... As science progresses, people are figuring out other ways to do things to take themselves farther and farther. So if you have a woman doing the same thing, well, the woman's physique, which hormonally is going to limit them to only being a certain size, no matter what, well, now you have the presence of male hormones. Right. So you have now the ability to have a, a male-like physique. Do you ever feel cautious when you give advice about something like that or on your podcast or when people reach out to you about that? Yeah, and I, I've always been a lot more conservative when it comes to women. And um, I, I know that there's people that are going to not do what I say. Um, and I always thought it was important to let them know, you know, these are the things that can happen wrong. If you don't, sure. For sure, you know. So if anything, I, I, I always try to look at it as where I'm trying to help people not screw themselves up at. And I, you know, of course, I'm not a medical doctor. And, and most of the stuff that I'm speaking on is from practical usage and people that I've worked with practically and people that I'm friends with that, that, you know, have told the truth on certain things, but you know, there, there's just not any compiled data on if a woman takes all these male hormones, here's what's going to happen to her. You know? <laughs> yeah. Well, and I think like, you know, the judges playing a, a big role in it is not just rewarding the people that are doing more, but also then what happens when somebody gets third or fifth, what do they do? They go backstage and they ask the judges afterwards, what can I do better? What do mm -hmm. I need to improve? What mm -hmm. can I do? And the judge says, Oh, you need bigger shoulders. You need bigger glutes. You need mm -hmm. smaller waist. You need bigger, this, you need bigger, that you need to do this. 
and like you said, with the woman's the way the woman's genetics are designed, it's right. not designed to make your shoulders as big as possible. When let's say right. the, the woman that won maybe has that genetic that genetic part that's gifted of her, sure. and then the judge tells you, well, you need to make yours bigger. Well, the only way to do that is through a, a, an, an anabolic. Like yeah, there's what, what other way do you want that to happen? Once somebody's already at the pro level naturally, and you tell them, well, you need more. Well, yeah, that's the yeah. only real way you can mold that that aspect of the sport is through drugs. Like it's a difficult sport, man. It's yeah. a difficult sport to to even be a part of, man. Has anyone ever given you guys a hard time and said that maybe you're celebrating steroids in a way by the stuff that you put out? Especially with that Tony Huge enhanced. I think project. after yeah. after Tony Huge enhance, I think yes, but. Um, you know, generally speaking, no. Before Tony Hughes, I don't think so. I think people wanted to see it more, just wanted to have us just feature more information about steroids. I mean, you know, we, we take precaution. You know, we, we got to put disclaimers. You know, we have um, a series right now with uh, Nick Trigili. Um He's obviously, you know, he gives advice and he, from his experience, tells people, you know, what he thinks is the right, you know, anabolic or how to train properly or whatever. You know what I mean? And uh, of course, there's gonna be people that are gonna be like, "Why are you giving him a platform?" You know, we get a lot of those people that write to us and say, "Why do you give this guy a platform? Why do you give this guy a platform?" And the idea is to have a very diverse platform with different content, you know, and for for as many people as possible within the industry. So uh, I'm sure we'll get more, you know. I'm sure we'll get more, but we never try to celebrate anything. We just try to tell a story, for the most part. Yeah, I mean, right now we're just focused on obviously the content and the films is is really the heart of Generation Iron and of everything that we do. Um, you know, our content now has become very global. We don't necessarily just depend on, you know, iTunes, Netflix, Amazon, you know, we're, we're essentially everywhere, right? So we also have athletes from, you know, from Brazil that are massive, you know, they have like 3 million followers. Sometimes some of them have like 1.2 million, uh, what does Felipe Franco have? 1.2 million YouTube subscribers. So there's a lot of different people that want different things, you know. With social media, it's it's kind of brought so much together. Um, outside of the USA, like, what are you guys really seeing the most? Like, I mean, I think, like I said, social media brings us all together, but things are obviously different in different countries. Sure, yeah. You guys are traveling, all, like, to we, all these different We are, right? yeah. I mean, we've become a vertically integrated company in the sense that we, you know, in addition to the content and films, we're also, you know, we, we just took over or acquired Jim Fuckery, which is a huge Jim Fail company, oh, Jim Fail video, wow. Instagram video. Uh, we also acquired Strength Wars, which is a big uh, digital brand that yep. pins bodybuilders against power lifters. Um, so we're, we're essentially monetizing our content across the board. We're not necessarily just on YouTube or, you know, or, you know, on, on iTunes or monetizing our content there. We're also monetizing advertising across Instagram you know, social media. Um, so we're, we're universally integrated company where we're also monetizing our content digitally, also working with TV networks. Um, so that's where we see ourselves. Growing. And then we also have uh, franchises in Brazil. We have uh, GI Brazil, um, a huge market for us. Brazil is an amazing market for bodybuilding and fitness. Um, and there on that platform, actually, we're seeing a lot of, a lot more fe females following uh, Generation Now in Brazil. Uh, it's interesting to see that, right? Like different. Yeah. Cause Why do you think that is? I don't know. I think because over there it's just basically, I think in US everything is more segregated. Like you either like bodybuilding, or you like men's physique, or you like bikini. Everything, every, everybody's kind of a little bit separated. You know what I mean? Where in Brazil everybody's just part of the fitness industry. Fitness. Yeah. It seems like that. You know what I mean? Okay. We have a very successful franchise in Russia right now, which is growing. You know, 
uh, we just started Japan, and then you know we're going to grow more around the world in different territories. So we, yeah, we scaled our company that way, and that in Brazil, for instance, we're the number one fitness company in Brazil, fitness media, well, media company yeah. in Brazil right now, and in Russia, we're we're pretty much there, I think, too. We just did a feature on a, a slap contest. So we cover different things. <laughs> That's not just bodybuilding. And I've got to show that to you. You know, we got to show this video huh. to you guys. I've seen some of that stuff. It's, it's crazy. How it's hard it's crazy. It was in a bodybuilding competition, and they just did a, they decided to do a slap contest. I mean, I think I think it went viral. It's about 4 million views now, I think. <laughs> 4 or 5 million views or something like that. Just for and slap <laughs> contest. And it went viral. Uh, and, you know, those are, t those are certain things that also, that, you know, we feature that, you know, that, that help bring more viewership to us, obviously, in, internationally. So we cover a variety of things, not only, you know, bodybuilding, but also MMA. Uh, we work with the UFC. We work with Bellator um, on a lot of different projects. So we're across the board, you know, on, on our content. And then what else? I mean, what else? But we're, we're still growing, now? though. You know, the thing yeah. is, yeah. We, we're not even at a 10% where we're going to be in the future. You know, we're still, we're still a very early stages because we started this in 2015 so you know we very new on a block you know what I mean but we're taking we're taking steps what of all the stuff that you guys have going on right now what's exciting you the most about the growth of Generation Iron it's really it's really just taking on interesting projects like working with you was amazing you know I think Muslim Og was a great a great project which really highlighted the behind the scenes of a guy that's running the company as an executive and also is part of the actual process of being a bodybuilder, you know what I mean? So stuff like that excites us, you know, more, we have a lot more, uh, we should do, by the way, season two with you, man. I would love to, right? so I know the guys we will got, be we got, sure. we got, We gotta do part two, man, I think. I mean, but I'm in better shape now, too, so we can do more, <laughs> more, more of me. Uh, I, can, I can fulfill my body dysmorphia needs and, and, <laughs> yeah. and show my physique more. A lot of things are, are a lot better now. <laughs> yeah. Things are a lot better. We, yeah, I mean, you mentioned you know, what excites us most. What, what we're really excited about is growing internationally because, you know, there's, there's different appeals internationally. People like different things internationally. Like, like, like Vlad mentioned, you know, some people might like, you know, the fitness community in Brazil, people like very specific things as opposed to Japan and Russia. But we're really expanding in, the, in those areas because we're localizing our content. So when we produce and, and, and shoot our content, we, we localize it in those areas. Same thing with our editorials and our publishing. We have our writers that are based in those in those areas. You know, for instance, Generation Iron Russia is run by Anton, who used to run a huge bodybuilding trade magazine yeah. in, in in Moscow, and now he's running Generation Iron Russia. Um, same thing with Brazil and Aretha. Um, so we have a, we have a very 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 cool team that's really good at what they do from an editorial and publishing standpoint. Is there a specific part of the world that you think is just Far behind everybody else in bodybuilding. Well, you know, I don't know far behind, but I well, mean, India it, right now is such a huge, huge market. Yeah. yeah. The problem with India, like for instance, we get I think the second most traffic out of India oh. um, on our platform. The problem with India, as you probably already know, is that you know there aren't enough consumers to have enough purchasing power there to uh, whether it's consume content or buy for con buy content or even maybe even buy products as well. But I think in the next three to five years, I think India will be a market where, you know, consumers will have more purchasing power. Yeah, India is a pretty big market for supplements, too. So, you know, people say to us all the time, like, what, what are you guys doing, you know, with like Asian countries? And mm -hmm. they're the most people there. Mm -hmm. um, and there are a couple brands that are starting to, to make some traction over there. Really, I see mostly it's just like amino acids, like very basic stuff. Mm -hmm. um, but in the supplement world, 
we we know that that's like the, the, the toughest spot to get into. In India is actually pretty big for for supplements. Uh, Brazil is huge. They just they have a very you know like, strict laws. You know what's amazing market for bodybuilding is Iran. Yeah. But it's so closed off mm-hmm. that you can't do any business there really. You yeah. know, that's the only but if if let's say the gates would open up, everybody would just go right there because the people love bodybuilding so over there. Too, yeah. Yeah, yeah. We we got into this past year, we got into uh, Qatar. Um, we we've had some ne- negotiations with Kuwait. Um, so some of the you know Middle Eastern countries are seeing more. Um, UK is pr- pretty big. Australia do, we do quite a bit. There's just not a ton of people in Australia either. But it's bodybuilding is pretty accepted. Australia over for there sure, for sure. Is, yeah. um, you know I know that in, in Brazil Brazil is 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 huge. It's just the the companies that we've seen really kick ass in Brazil are Brazilian companies. You know so mm-hmm. there are there are brands that are doing more down there. We're trying to do more down there, and there are a lot of really great athletes down there too yeah, for sure. uh, you know men and, and women so I, I I love the sport so I like to see it everywhere you know mm-hmm. I, I like to go to different countries and see you know what the gyms are like you know what supplements people are taking what the people are look like what's in you know it's it's something that I'll always be passionate about so I, I like to see all the different content anyway what do you think about the bodybuilding gurus um, they, get, they get a lot of flack I think from the yeah from the so world. sometimes people will call me a guru and I don't really like that term <laughs> I never, I'm not a self-proclaimed guru. I'm just going to answer questions most of the time on, on my own practical use and, and, and the stuff that I've read. Um, I think that the problem that I have with gurus, I guess, is that the people that really sell themselves as a guru that are perhaps giving out incorrect information or promising these results if you do exactly what they say, because there are actually many things that will work. Um, there are many things that will work, and to say that this is the one way that will work for everybody, that there's just... Unfortunately, the human body is so different. That's just not always going to be the case. Right. And if it's self-serving, you know, to make your money, and, and that's what I typically think it is most of the time, um, it, it does turn me off a little bit. I do think that there are guys that just know a lot more on certain subjects, you know, that, you know, as far as coaches go. I mean, I, I don't think anybody would discredit, like, Chris Aceto for being a really, really good coach. You know, his, his guys always look good. You know, he, mm-hmm. he knows a lot about nutrition. He knows a lot about the human body. Um, I guess the ones that turn me off more are the ones that are putting out these drug protocols just because there's just not enough data and research on any of it to say what is safe and what isn't safe. Right. You're, you're, you're taking a, a chance anytime you do it. Every time, right. So that's, that's the, I guess, the issue that I have. What do you it. think about bodybuilders that they switch the gurus like, you know, let's say they, they do Olympia and then they switch to another one. Another one. Like, for instance, Big Rami, like, you know, he left, I think he had like a few coaches, I think, in the past. Do you think it's the matter of finding the right fit or do you think it's, it's not the coach's fault at all? Like, what do you think? Combination of both. I think that everybody wants things instantly. You know, they want to win now. And if they feel like they're working hard and they're doing all these things and their coach didn't get them there, then there, there must be a better coach out there. Mm, right. um, I don't find that's all, always the case. Sometimes I think that it may take the coach needing to learn the athlete a little bit more. Um, and again, I do think there are coaches that are far better than others. I think that some of them are better at marketing themselves than others, so they're going to get more people. In that regard, um, I think the ones that you see are switching a lot are the ones that are perhaps more impatient and, you know, well, I didn't win with this guy. You know, I heard this guy's good. He, he trained the guy to beat me. Let me go right. sign with him. Right, right, right. I think most of the time, if you're patient, I do think there's enough good coaches out there and we're all kind of sharing the most, the same data for the right. same part, that I do think that, it, that it's worth it to be loyal to a coach and mm-hmm. give them a chance to learn you. Yeah. Uh, but if you feel that you've put in a lot, and you're not happy with, with the direction that you're getting, then there's nothing wrong with switching. Right. I, do, I do think that people switch sometimes far too quick. I mean, I, 
I don't think that that Ruli needed to be trained by that grandma lady. You know, I, 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 I don't I don't know that that was the best thing for him. Um, but I guess he was loyal to her. Have you met grandma? Myself, no. I've seen her. I've seen her, you know, when he first started this, just to see him with her all the time. I used to think, like, how is that old lady spotting him when he was training heavy, you know? Um, I haven't seen her in a long time. Not in so. a, long, a long time, but, I mean, he's obviously come very, very far since then. Yeah. So would he have come this far if he had not done that? I mean, probably not, I guess, right? I guess that's just one of those things that it's like, for certain people, I feel like the stars align and it seems like it's the perfect match and nobody could have been better and like they did everything right. And then there's just other people that like go through those same individuals and just don't seem to have the same results. It's like, like you said, it, it could be mostly coach. It could be mostly individual. It could also be timing of that when they mm-hmm. had that coach. But you don't hear about, and they're not going to let you hear about, is the good commercial coaches that have lots of mistakes and mess ups. You don't see their people. You just see their top pros. Right. And the top pros are our top pros mostly because they're genetically superior, not because they got a special juice protocol or a magic diet that worked that well for them. Interesting. That's, that's the case all the time is I see people like, well, I'm going to sign with this guy because he coaches this person. Right, right, I'm like, yeah. well, guess what? That person was going to be good with anybody. You know, right, right, right. I, I kind of am a little bit hard on Charles Glass. And um, I was pleased when Kai Green actually left Charles Glass after they sent him out there. And he was like, you know what, man? I've been training the same way for years. I tried it out. I didn't like it. It wasn't for me. And I left. And he's with George Farrow, Kai, Kai, right? He's with George now, yeah. Do I think that George is, is a mastermind? No, to be honest with you. But it worked for Kai and it worked for some of those guys that are genetically superior. So I think it would be great to see some of those guys take a completely average Joe and document them taking these guys into being top pros. Too, That'd be great to see. That's a good show. You it's have a good series right you, there. Give me somebody that does that. I'll participate in it and I'll do it for free, by the way. I'll coach. <laughs> find me an, an average guy and we'll see how far I can take them if they do exactly what, what I say. But I can do it with Mike the Compass. Uh, the average coach is not going to want that out there because they're making their living on it and they just want to show you the good stuff. That's the big thing. Yeah, I agree with you. It's crazy. Well, um, I don't want to take too much of your time. I know you guys have a lot going on. I appreciate you coming down and doing this with us. It's a pleasure. You want to um, leave us with anything exciting before you go? Oh, man. Uh, May 10th, Colin Van Morgan, Unbroken documentary drops. May 10th. Uh, You guys should definitely check it out. You guys have been working with him for a while. Yeah, Yeah, we also met Ed manages him as well. Yeah, so I I manage Callum. I've been working with him since late 2017 or early. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Are you managing many people now? So... This is actually a good question because, you know, with Kai was someone that we really grew close to, to working with. And after Generation Iron, um, obviously a lot of opportunities, you know, happened for Kai and, and we were really happy for him. We, we realized that in the bodybuilding industry, there's, there isn't enough support for the athletes that want to Strongly do agree. Yeah. other things than just bodybuilding. And, um, you know, we saw an opportunity to help some guys that we felt we could help and, and, and bring more to the mainstream because we felt they had the talent, you know, they had the ability to, to, to act or whether to be on TV. And Kai was one of those guys. We create crossover opportunities as much as so possible. So we, we started working with Kai and Adam. And, you know, we, we got Kai, uh, you know, we got him an agent um, at Gersh. And we were able to put together a, a very definitive plan for him to get into more TV and film. Um, that's why you also saw him on Stranger Things mm-hmm. on Netflix. Um, he's also been auditioning a, a ton. A lot, yeah. We were able to help get him uh, acting and TV training as well. 
So there's a lot of opportunities for Kai that, that arise, you know, in, in that space. And, and we've been instrumental in, in helping him, you know, bridge, o- you know, bridge over to more mainstream stuff. And, and that's what we've done with Kai. And then with guys like Callum, you know, we saw that opportunity as well. So with Callum, when we came on board, you know, we saw that there were opportunities for him outside of just bodybuilding, more in the branding space for TV commercials, but also for film and TV. And with Callum, also, we were just, you know, we just signed him on to Gersh as well. I managed Callum, you know, we helped negotiate his deals for a movie bigger that he did. Um, we helped get him on different projects. He's actually um, auditioning right now for different films. He's been seen by the Marvel, by the Marvel team, uh, which is Sarah Finn's office. She's the main casting director for Marvel. He's been seen, he actually, this is something that, that people don't know, he auditioned for Creed too. To, to play Ivan Drago's son. Oh, cool. Huh. And uh, he almost got that role. He didn't get that role because they wanted, Sylvester wanted an actual boxer, which is how they ended up with Florian, mm-hmm. who I also actually work with. Um, and we saw an opportunity to help Callum. So we, we present a lot of opportunities for him outside of bodybuilding. You know, right now he's, uh, he's auditioning for a man versus bear show. <laughs> uh, which he would essentially be a host Discovery Channel, on Discovery Channel for a host. So those are the opportunities and things that we also create for a lot of different athletes. And, and not only that, they don't have the representation sometimes to, you know, to get, you know, make sure they're not being taken, taken advantage of, making sure they have the right deals. Um, Callum is one of those guys we help as well with his sports nutrition company, making sure he's a co-partner, making sure he's being taken care of, things like that that we help these guys with in addition to getting a more TV acting training, which we were doing with Callum. So we do that with Callum. We're also working with Zach Ainsley, uh, Zach Perna, a new guy that we, we just signed out of Australia. Guys that are really speak very well to their audience and communicate very well and have that transition, you know, that, that, you know, the capability to transition to more mainstream TV and film. Um, so, you know, we're bringing opportunities like this all the time for guys like Kai, uh, Callum, and, and we really want to see them succeed. You know, we feel that that also helps bring more attention to bodybuilding. Absolutely. You know, and, and Callum, you know, we helped him book a Gucci campaign. So he's one of the main prominent faces on, on the pre-fall 2019 campaign for Gucci. Um, and I, I don't know. That's any, so cool. I, I don't know any, any other bodybuilder that's ever been no. on the Gucci no, campaign. And, and what you just said yeah. about bringing more attention to bodybuilding because of it, like, I know for a fact that uh, Kai Green being in Stranger Things, like, made people go look for who this guy is because friends of mine that just know that I'm in the industry were like, yo, is this dude a bodybuilder or is he just like freakishly big for no reason? Like, is that why they used him or is he like somebody that's becoming like the new Arnold? And I was like, no, that's probably what, you know, he's shooting for is to become more seen in films and just being as big as he is in something mainstream. People are like, wait a minute, hold on. This can't be just this dude's every day. He was just born like this. Like, cause you know, when you see people on film, a lot of the times, like we were talking about with actors, they're cast to be like the hero. You're like, oh, this dude was Superman. He was always looked like this. Yeah. Exactly. So. so, I mean, that's what we do. And I think that guys like Kai have, have that artistic, creative ability to them. They have the ability to, to, to be on film and TV and they have the charisma. Sometimes you can be an actor and you can, you know, learn how to act and, and go do this training, but you may not have that, that charisma. That's why Arnold was so successful mm-hmm. because he had that. And... Um, Guys like Kai, they do have that, and you know we're able to do those things with them. And Callum is one one guy that, you know, I think he has that. He has a lot of capabilities. Um, unfortunately, he had that accident last year where he messed up his knee on a cliff, and he was actually 
I was negotiating a deal with the producers from the Terminator movie, the new Terminator film that's wow. coming out. He was going to play a young, a young uh, Terminator in that film, and by you know because of the injury, he lost that opportunity. Although there's a lot of op- other opportunities <coughs> coming up for him. Didn't you know? he just wasn't it a bicep tear and then the knee? Yeah. With him, yeah. And then another bicep tear, two bicep tears. Yeah. Really? Yeah. yeah. It actually worked to his advantage at the end because it was like you know blessing the skies because because he was so thin, we were able he was able to get casted for the Gucci campaign. Yeah. Huh. <laughs> yeah. It's crazy. Like you go to these meetings in like CAA and like Hollywood agencies, like Gersh, you know, massive talent agencies. And you tell them about bodybuilding, and they just don't know anything about it. Or they don't know there's a whole industry happening, and we have to kind of educate them and tell them who's who. You know what I mean? And like which guys to look out for and stuff like that. And it's like, yeah, it's like separate world. You know, it's a separate world, and, and yeah. that's why I'm very happy that I'm able to go into these meetings with these huge Hollywood agents, right? That are representing guys like Dave Bautista, you know, The Rock, and and help them understand who these guys are and what bodybuilding really is, you know, because I feel like there's a lot of opportunities that they're missing by not casting guys like the, like, like Kai or Cam or other athletes, you know, and that's kind of what we do best is help educate them on, on the athletes. And, and we're really, I'm really, ha- I, I love working with the athletes. I love helping them. It's one of the things I love doing. Vlad knows that. And I think that's, that's a di- an additional business in our, in our company that we, we, we want to focus on. Sure. Well, I love bodybuilding. I'm always going to love bodybuilding. So anything that you guys are doing to spread the word, I appreciate it. And there's a lot of us that appreciate having the, the ability to be in front of a mainstream audience. I think it's definitely hard to find the personalities that can go the right way with right. the physiques, you know? So I, and I also think that there is a unfortunate stigma and I've joked around about this a lot of, of bodybuilders being dumb. So getting guys that, that can speak well and, 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 and open doors for the sport to get, more vision is, is really important to me. So I appreciate you guys doing that for sure. Yeah, I always get offended when they, they do like a commercial sometimes and they, they make a bodybuilder look really stupid. Always, yeah. You know, you know what I'm talking about. They right? always like, make the bodybuilder be, be done. It's stupid yeah. or aggressive. Yep. Yeah, always. always. And they're kind of like, oh man, that's messed up. I, I hate seeing that. Yeah. I hate seeing that. Yeah, but it's changing now. I mean, you know, that, some of the guys that represent like The Rock, uh, Brad Slater, you know, we know them really well. He, they understand the sport a little more. So a lot of things are changing, you know, and they see that there's a lot of opportunity for alternative content in TV and film for a lot of athletes, you know? Well, thank you guys very much for doing this. Thank you again for the opportunity with Muscle Mogul. Thank you for coming down and and, uh, letting me do this interview today and for taking the time to do our show. We got our podcast up pretty fast, so this will be out there pretty quickly. So it'll be up by the weekend for sure. Video will be up by Monday. And uh, like you said, thank you guys for sitting down and talking with us. People always love to see the content that you guys put out. Yeah, hopefully thank people you guys. listen and, uh, and absolutely we'll, we'll certainly you know get it out there on Generation Iron as thank well. Thank you, thank absolutely, you man. Thank you so much, guys. Awesome. It's an always honor to have you guys, and we're gonna end this like we always do with a peace out. Bye.